in my homily last Sunday, I was explaining that for Christian ethics to work, duty has to be joined to joy, to passion. Otherwise, it doesn't have any traction. But maybe some people were left wondering, well, how does it work? I don't feel it, feel it quite so. Not as easy. And for many people, today's gospel may sound as if God was a sort of killjoy. But, you know, when we look deeper, I, I think that we tend to agree with God much more than we initially grant. You know, in one of the Dilbert comics, Dogbert comes up to him and says, I decided to start a discount religion. The tithing would be only 2%, and I would let people sin as much as they wanted. The problem is that I don't want to spend time with anyone who would join that sort of religion. <laughs> I tend to agree with Dogbert on that one. You know? And if I want to be around people who are not selfish, not angry or dishonest, but rather the opposite of that, it makes sense to think that I need to be the same way. And that this attitude needs to start from the inside, from within me. You know, it's a delusion to think that we can restrain those wild passions in social interactions, in our families, in our schools, while allowing them to run wild inside of us. If they run wild inside of, our, of my heart, at some point they will come out and create havoc. But some people may wonder, well, how, how do you not let them run wild inside? Aren't those passions just wild by nature, and that's how they are? Well, I would say it depends on how you view human beings. You know, from a Freudian, Freudian type view of the human person, th there is no way to tame those passions. You know, the human heart, Freud would say on this one, is a, a, like a boiling cauldron of conflicting selfish desires, mostly for pleasure and control and attention. So the best you can do, according to Freud, is let them come out in a controlled way. Let them come out kind of in a controlled manner. But I would say that that's an incomplete picture of who we are. The more complete view is that God put in us desires that, that go above and beyond momentary pleasure and the gratification of our ego. Jesus might say to humanity, to each one of us, my difficulty with you is not that you desire too much, but that you desire too little. C.S. Lewis, in his great style, put it in this way. He writes, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, says Louis. And I would say that highest enjoyment above and beyond self, you know, instant gratification and pleasure, the highest good we always want is some form of communion with other persons. Other people that we care for, those are, those are the highest goods in our lives. 
But a, a person needs to be treated as a person. If somehow I objectify others, turning them into something I use, or if I push them away from me because I find something about them annoying, or if I blur my communication with that person through lying or not being fully honest, well, then I, I won't have a, you know, a, a meaningful, good connection with them. If I don't treat them as persons, but as, persons, but as, as objects or vending machines or annoyances, not only will I hurt them and push them away, but also in the long term, I will end up alone and unsatisfied. As rewarding as sustaining you know, good communion with other people is, it's, it's a difficult task. It takes sacrifice and training. And I think that's why at times we settle for those lower kind of goods, the, the, the low-hanging fruit that Lewis was writing about, sex and ambition and these you know, simple desires. But the more we, we look for those, they bury us in this you know, emptiness. And also they make us weak spiritually. We end up being unable to long for those higher goods. After a time, we, we tend to think that what Jesus is asking of us is actually impossible. It's not because it is impossible, but because we have ended in a, in a really bad state, out of shape, spiritually speaking. Okay, so, but if I'm in that situation, how do I come out? I think that the first step to come out of that is to trust Jesus as my teacher, as my mentor. You know, he has something great in store for you, but I need to trust him. And I need to trust the process. I don't feel the joy of the end, of the point of arrival, but I have to trust him, that he will put me through that, through that training and it, it will end up being good. Let me give you an illustration of that. Imagine you know, a great speaker delivering a lecture, someone like Bishop Barron, can hold an audience captivated for 90 minutes nonstop. Or imagine a great artist, someone like you know, Lindsay Sterling, this lady that plays the violin while dancing. Amazing. I don't know how she does it. Or imagine you know, see a quarterback like you know, Tom Brady throwing the ball. This amazing blending of geom perfect geometry and, and athletics. And you can see them doing these things like effortlessly. And they seem to be enjoying so much what they're doing. But you can imagine that the enjoyment of those things in the way they do it, these great artists or athletes do it, comes after a long time of training, of patient practice. You know, their coaches and mentors probably put them through unbearable drills. And at some point, maybe they were about to give up and say, I cannot handle this anymore. But they would say, you know, keep going. One day, you will excel at this. And you will inspire people. And you will enjoy it so much, as they do today. Well, the same thing happens with when it is about entering the joy of God, the joy that God has in store for us. It is only hard to enter it if we are out of shape. And, you know, we're still being trained for it. We're still going through the drills and the practices and getting up early in the morning. 
But one day we'll get there, and then we will excel in, in that communion with God and others that will make us so joyful and so inspiring to others. Okay, but how do we go about it? Let me finalize, conclude with a few practical things. And know at times to try to improve on one of these areas that Jesus mentions in the gospel through sheer will is really hard. So maybe we can try a different strategy. I'm going to go to the macro level and the micro level on this. Let me explain what I mean. The macro level means don't just look at the restriction and not supposed to do this. Look rather at the goal, at the joy that lies in the end. What are those skills, those deep joys in life that you will be able to attain if you go through that discipline? Start to imagine that. It could be maybe being able to pray deeply and enjoy the presence of God or develop really profound friendships with other people or feel that your talents are nourishing others and making lead better, better lives. Or maybe you are able to become more transparent with other people and you feel like you don't have, you know, you really enjoy being with them and they enjoy being with you. You don't have to force yourself to be there. Well, those are worthwhile goals, aren't they? Well, think of it. At times it takes the discipline of the gospel to come to something like that. Don't just look at the restriction of the commandment, but at the enjoyment that lies in the end. And the micro level means nip, nip it in the bud. As soon as evil comes up in your heart, don't wait until it grows and snowballs and it's a huge mess. Cut it off right away. As soon as you sense, for example, anger is starting to come up, don't let it explode, come to a huge moment of you know, not being able to hold it in any longer. But as soon as you realize my thoughts are turning into this direction of resentment and criticism, try to stop it, to balance it with other thoughts. Something that helps me a lot with that is, is like a daily, weekly maintenance, to do daily examination of conscience in night prayer. And then to go to confession regularly, regularly, maybe you know, once a month, every other week. And you might say, well, that's so hard. Well, it's not. I think it's easier that way. Imagine you, you have to take care of your garden, of your backyard, and I tell you, just do it once a year. That would be a mess, you know, spend a whole weekend, be completely sweating after the whole thing. Do it once a month, every three weeks. So much easier, so much light work to keep it up. Same thing, the same thing happens with the soul. And we have confessions here every Saturday at 4 p.m., 4 to 5 p.m., and I also do confessions at AU, so you can check the AU Catholic website if you want to go for those other times. Let us pray. Let us ask the, the grace from the Lord for this because it is something we cannot do on our own without the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, this teaching today is really demanding, but it's also inspiring. It reflects who you are. It reflects your own goodness. I feel so far from it, though. But I want, I want this to be mine, and I know that I can only attain it if you help me, if you come to me. So, Lord, give me that meekness, that purity, that honesty that I, can, I cannot have on my own. 
Help me to grow closer to you and to connect with people that will inspire me to follow you. In your holy name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.